It's a great day to live for Jesus. This is the In the Word podcast with Pastor Mike Grover, a chapter-by-chapter devotional journey through the New Testament where we will browse the background, discover the doctrine, and practice the principles of God's Word for us today. Today in the Word, in John chapter 7, we see a familiar opening of the chapter uh, in John's Gospel in verse 1. It says, After these things Jesus walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in Judea, because the Jews sought to kill him. And then it says, Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. One of the great markers that John uses, John um, is different than the other Gospels. John's really very much concentrated on the very last part of Jesus' life. And he tends to use feast days as markers of timing. And remember in the last chapter, it said the Passover was near. Well, the Passover would be in the spring, typically around what we would see today as April. The Feast of Tabernacles was about five months later, September, October, today on the calendar. It was the 15th day of one of the Jewish months. And the Feast of Tabernacles lasted an entire week. The word tabernacle, the Hebrew word sukkot, translated into English tabernacle or the Feast of Tents. But really what it was is during the harvest season, um, when the heat of the day came up, people in that time would pull off different, I know the best way to put it, stalks and other things and create kind of a lean-to that would protect them from the sun during the hard part of the day. So the whole point of this feast is that God's people are temporary residents on this. Here we have no enduring dwelling place. And uh, as the old song said, this world's not our home. We're just passing through, right? And so the Feast of Tabernacles was really signifying that temporary nature of God's people's existence in this world. Has a prophetic application too, because over in Zechariah, it talks about in the millennial kingdom, how every year at the Feast of Tabernacles, all the nations of the earth will come up to Jerusalem to worship Jesus. And if there's any nation that does not send a representative to that feast, God's punishment for them is they will not receive any rain for that next year. And this Feast of Tabernacles was so associated with the harvest. It was associated also, I've read some that said on the last day there was a prayer time where they would pray for rain because rain is necessary for the harvest. Haven't been able to completely verify that yet, but I've just seen different people uh, make uh, reference to something like that. So our background here, it says that the Feast of Tabernacles was at hand. Jesus in this chapter gets into a little bit of an argument with his brothers. Now I'm talking about his physical earthly brothers. Mary was a virgin when she had Jesus, but Mary had other children after Jesus. And in different places, it mentions his brothers. It even mentions his sisters. And it says here, if you look in um, verse 3, it says, His brothers therefore said to him, Depart and go to Judea, that your disciples may see the works that you do. So the Feast of Tabernacles is at hand in Jerusalem. It's going to be this big thing where all these people are going to be gathered. And his brothers, somewhat mockingly, because later it says they really didn't believe in him, they said, you should leave. You should go to the feast so everyone can see how wonderful you are. Kind of mocking their their brother Jesus. It says in verse 4, there's no man that does anything in secret, and he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. And in verse 5, for neither did his brothers believe in him. They saw the works of Jesus. They saw some of the miracles of Jesus. But they did not believe that he was truly the Messiah. His own flesh and blood, his own brothers didn't believe that he was the Messiah. 
So they're saying, go and show yourself. Verse six, Jesus said, my time has not yet come, but your time is always ready. And he's talking about how he didn't want to go at this time because it wasn't the time for him really to do it. It really wasn't the time for him to make a spectacle of himself. And so in verse eight, he said, you go up to this feast and I am not going up yet to this feast for my time is not yet full come. So Jesus talked about just a verse earlier, how the world hated him and it wouldn't hate them. And so some were speculating that Jesus did not want to go up to the feast because he was afraid, but it had nothing to do with fear. The reason Jesus didn't want to go up was out of obedience to his father because it wasn't the time yet. So Jesus told them, you go up to the feast. And in verse nine, when he said these words to them, he stayed still, he abode still in Galilee. But when his brothers were gone up, then he went up also to the feast, not openly, but as it were in secret. And it talks about how the Jews at the feast were seeking Jesus. His fame had grown. They're all looking for him. There's an argument over who he is. And then finally, publicly, Jesus shows himself known in verse 14. It says, now about the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And it says, and the Jews marveled, saying, how does this man know letters, having never learned? How does he understand the word of God so well when he has never sat at the feet of any of the great rabbis? Later on in the scripture, when we become acquainted with the apostle Paul in the book of Acts, one of the things about Paul's credentials, it says that he sat at the feet of Gamaliel. And Gamaliel was one of the premier rabbi teachers of that day. So Paul had a great pedigree of having been taught. Jesus didn't. So they're marveled, marveling at his wisdom. They're amazed at his understanding of the law of God when he doesn't have any credential of having learned from any great teacher. And then Jesus said this, verse 16, Jesus answered them. And he said, my doctrine is not mine, but him that sent me. In other words, the teaching I'm teaching you, it's not coming from me. This is the one who sent me. This is my father's teaching. And then he extended really a teaching and kind of an invitation to them on how much they could understand and know God's word. Because in verse 17, he said, if any man will do his will, if any man has a desire, if any one of us has a desire to truly do God's will, he will know of the doctrine of the teaching, whether it's of God or whether I speak of myself. So let's kind of encapsulate that. Jesus is at this huge feast. He doesn't want to make himself known at the very beginning. God's got a particular plan of how this is going to work out. He shows up and in the middle of the week, he goes into the temple where all the teaching is going on and he sits down and he begins to teach and the people listening are absolutely amazed at his knowledge. And Jesus in humility says, look, this isn't my truth. This is my father's. And the reality is, if any of you would really set your heart to truly do the will of God, man, you can become as acquainted with the word as I am. You will know the doctrine, the truth. You will understand that this isn't something that just came from me, but it came from my father. So according to Jesus, disobedience causes misunderstanding and obedience causes understanding. You see, we want to say this, well, I'll look at the word and then if I like what I read, I'll do it. No, Jesus said, no, you come to the word willing to do it 
then you will truly understand the word. So a prerequisite for spiritual understanding is submission and a willingness and a desire to do God's will. Um, Jesus said something very similar to this to Pilate in John 18, 37. He said, um, everyone that is of the truth hears my voice. In other words, if your heart is of the truth, then you're going to hear, you're going to know what he's saying is true. So it's a huge mistake to try to gain a greater knowledge of God without a heart that is willing to obey what is learned. So I want to come and I want to have knowledge and I want to have facts and I want to understand prophecy and I want to understand all the mysteries of God, but I don't want to do anything with it. Well, you know, Paul said knowledge puffs up, but charity, love builds up. That's kind of what Jesus is saying here. He's saying it is a grave mistake to approach God's word with a desire to know it without first a willingness to do it. So what's the proper order? The proper order is surrender and then understanding and then what? Obedience. You see, true understanding comes from having a right relationship with the Holy Spirit, the divine teacher that indwells us. Now, when Jesus was speaking these words at this feast, the Holy Spirit did not yet indwell his followers because he had not yet risen to the Father. But remember what he said in John 14, he said, if I go away, I will send you another comforter or a teacher in my place. John 16, 13 says when the Spirit comes that he will guide us into all truth. So later on in this feast, this great feast, this week-long feast, if you look later in the chapter, Jesus on the very last day teaches about the Holy Spirit. Now I'm going to read starting in verse 33. It says, Then Jesus said to them, Yet a little while I am with you, and then I go to him that sent me. You will seek me and will not find me, and where I am there you cannot come. Then the Jews said among themselves, Where will he go, that we will not find him? Will he go to the dispersed among the Gentiles and teach the Gentiles? He's talking about going to heaven. They think he's talking about going on a trip. And then, what manner of saying is this that he said, You will seek me and will not find me, and where I am, there you cannot come. Once again, these Jews did not have a heart to obey, and so they don't have a head to understand. But now look at this outcry of Christ in verse 37. In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come and drink. He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. And then an explanation in verse 39, John gives us. But this he spoke of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because that many, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So what does Jesus say? If you want to know the truth, whether it comes from God, your heart has to be prepared to receive the truth. Well, how does that work in this day in which we live? It's by being yielded to the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus promised on that side of the cross the coming and the gift of the Spirit being poured out upon all flesh, all believers. But it hadn't happened yet. But Jesus said it will come, and when it does, you have the opportunity to have a right relationship with God through the Holy Spirit who will guide you into all truth. So kind of all ties together in this chapter and so Jesus taught on the importance of the Holy Spirit um, after he would leave. Now, the response of the people to what Jesus said really illustrates verse 17. 
Verse 17, if we will be willing to do God's will, then we'll know the truth, whether or not it's of God. Jesus said the Spirit is going to come. He's going to guide you into all truth when I go away. And, and look at the various responses. Verse number 40, many of the people, therefore, when they heard this saying, said, of a truth, this is that prophet. So some just believed, right? They believed the word in Deuteronomy about the prophet that would come, the Messiah. So some believed. What does that tell you? They had a heart to do the will because they believed the will. They understood it. Verse 41, others said, this is the Christ. But some said, shall Christ come out of Galilee? Verse 41, 2, has not the scripture said that Christ comes from the seed of David and out of the town of Bethlehem where David was? So there was a division among the people because of him. And some of them would have taken him but no man laid hands on. So they're all gathered listening to Jesus. They're amazed at what he knows. And Jesus says, you know what? If your heart would truly desire to do God's will, you'll have no, under you'll have no problem understanding God's word. And for those of you now on this side of the cross with me, man, he's even given us the Holy Spirit to guide us into that truth. So Jesus has this outburst of teaching. Some of them believed on him. Some of them were confused by what he said. Some of them denied it was him. Others wanted to take him and kill him. You say, well, what was the difference? It was the same teacher. It was the same truth. What's the difference in how they responded and understood? The difference would be whether or not their heart was truly yielded to doing what he would teach them. Same truth, much different response, and here's the application. To truly know God, you have to have a heart that's willing to. To truly know God, you have to first have a heart that's been prepared by the Holy Spirit, a heart that is willing to obey. You know, in Mark 4, 23, Jesus said, take heed how you hear, because how you listen is going to determine how much you receive. You see, it's a sowing and reaping proposition. So the word for today is this. Before you open your Bible to learn, yield your heart to the Holy Spirit to obey. Thank you for listening today to In the Word. Join us every Tuesday and Friday for new episodes as we continue our devotional journey through the New Testament.